one of the all-time favorite shows. Hello and welcome to episode 79. 79, feeling fine. We're getting so close to 80 and then okay. like 100. Cannot wait. Um, I don't know about you, Grace, but even as a teenager myself, I've never been a fan of teenagers. <laughs> and I don't hide it. I don't like them. They're full of tood. They don't give a shit about life. And they hate everyone around them. Now, I'm pretty I'm- sure I was like the quintessential very annoying teenager, so I can't really comment. I was a dickhead. Yeah, I was a, I was, yeah, it's pretty annoying. I was self-aware. Yeah. Although, like, it's funny. I think that was my later teens that I was kind of more annoying. But I think actually in our early teens, I think we just had fun. I think we were good. We did. I was extremely loud. Um, as as, as, as <clears throat> I still am, I feel like if Chris could be somewhere else going, what he means was. <laughs> um, yes. Um, but I feel like as if we were tame compared to other teenagers. Yeah, I think we had fun. We were cute. Yeah. And and I'm going to say that we're tame in comparison to some teenagers I'm going to speak about now. Because if you haven't caught on, we're teenage bashing for a reason. We are looking into teenage killers for our episode today we're looking into obviously teenage slasher films as well I suppose as more all-encompassing so films where teenagers are the victims and also films where teenagers are the perpetrators mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like you find that like most teenagers would rebel in like harmless ways you know stealing booze from your parents liquor cabinet which <laughs> I myself and my brother in, in our 20s told our parents never ever 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 bother trying to drink anything that's in your liquor cabinet just throw yeah. away and go again that is water yeah I remember my mom quit smoking and she had like that box of cigarettes that were like just Great in case case. emergency yeah and myself and Grace used to steal out of that and <gasps> she could never say anything because she wasn't meant to have it oh <laughs> so it was perfect so perfect a lion alive that's beautiful it was great it was great and then I remember my sister told a story before similar to the drink one where they decided <laughs> to try and fill up Bailey's with um milk so you oh. can imagine how that went oh and then what occurred in the heat of the liquor cabinet <sighs> just fucking nasty my mama had a story of when um she was obviously in her teens and her younger sister had won in like a raffle a bottle of whiskey. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. This is my auntie telling of my mom. My mom won it. Uh, my mom decided to help herself to it and get hammered Love on it. just like straight whiskey from the bottle. On the one way. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't lick it off the ground. Um, but anyway. Yeah. So my aunties or one in particular kind of goes into full recon mode of having to save my mom's ass because her, her, my grandparents were at home and uh, they put my mom straight to bed. And then what they did was they tried to um, they filled it back up with water. And then one of my other aunts was like, oh, um, then wants some whiskey, you know, it's probably like nine p.m. on a Saturday, like just not the time. They weren't drinking at the time. But she was a joint one and she just opened the bottle and she's like, oh no, I've opened the bottle. And just made it look like as if she just opened the cap. 
because you know the way that they would have the label yes and my mom had obviously opened it so um she yeah she's like oh look I opened it oh and then they were like no what a silly me yeah she's like silly me um so then she yeah she was like oh yeah no no one wants whiskey now because it's like not the time for it and then she goes okay I'll just put it away and my, like they carted my mom's drunken ass up to bed and they were like oh she's real sleepy she's just gone straight to bed oh oh no so stories like that are tame like they're they're just wee calamities you know or you might pretend that you're somewhere else like us pretending that we weren't at a gig when we were in my house yeah. um however, if your parents knew where you were it was just my mother didn't yeah well, like, I mean, it's, it's everyone has their things that they feel like as if, oh, I can't be saying I'm here. Um, I remember lying to my parents saying I was in one person's house in Melview, I was in Grace's house, um, not your lovely self, but the other lovely Grace. And I was meant to do sleepover there, but something happened where it fell through and we got offered a different sleepover at, in, in a just tent outside of Drogheda in late end. And I felt like as if nothing bad was happening, but I felt like I couldn't say that the location was changing. Because then it was like, it, it, the thing is then you're like, I actually didn't lie about the first one, but they're going to think you lied. And they're going to think that something more is going on. Like I'm going to a house party or something like that, where there were some people over, but we were literally just watching films. But anyway, I then, it was myself and Shauna, and we were in late end. It was a Saturday night, Sunday. Everyone else was kind of from that area. No, it wasn't late end. It was student town. Anyway, small town outside of Drogheda. But a good few miles outside of Drogheda, bear that in mind. So it's a Sunday. There's bugger all buses. We run to try and make the la- like one of the buses. And we literally, it was early. And we see it drive off in front of us. Oh, and no, like this is actually giving me anxiety. Because I know... Yeah that on a Sunday you ain't getting home <laughs> yeah and there was two things happening on that day the blessings of the grave oh fuck and father's day yeah and uh yeah so we had to make I'm talking it was a couple of miles to get back into Drogheda and I had a pair of like healed ankle boots, like thick healed ankle boots but my friend whose house I was staying in was a size smaller than me in the shoes. So she was like, here, have these runners. And they hurt more walking in that. So I threw them back into my bag and put the boots back on. And we were like, we can't ring home. As well for a little bit more here. context for people who are kind of like, oh, it's the blessings of the grace. It's fine. The estate that Emer was supposed to be staying in, the blessings of the graves is happening like essentially in that estate. So your mom rings and goes, we're at the grave, come down. It should literally take you 30 seconds to arrive. And not just that, but what happens in my house is that they do a big brunch before the Blessings Grave. So we cook a load of food, they come over, like my aunts and all that come over to the house. And then we go from our house up to Calvary, up to the cemetery for the Blessings of the Grave. And so I was making it from Medivue to my house, which is a 10 minute walk, could be even quicker, like... And I'm I'm an hour at best away because I'm not fit. I'm not sporty. I can't make this journey. And um, we try to ring other people's moms that live nearby. And then they're like, no, they can't do it. They're not free. And also, why the hell are you bringing us? And then I had to field calls from home saying, yeah, oh, sorry, I slept it. I'm on my way. And I'm like a half hour outside of Drada at best. 
and like I my feet are starting to get blisters and it was horrific but eventually someone who we used to be in a band with his mat they happened to be driving past and his mom swung the car around like later on and I said at this stage we were maybe to actually the more I think about it we were it was probably an hour and a half maybe two hour walk oh it's about to say there's no way it's just an hour no it's not and she picked us up at Grace you'd know this at the Baymore Cross and like unceremoniously drops us home I don't even think she even really asked what the fuck were we doing this far (laughs) this far out but I remember as well I was my only job I'd say I'm 15 my Mm -hmm. only job for Father's Day was to get the card and my brother was yep my brother was going to get the present and uh, every shop I passed by because there was only like two shops yeah. they had I'm sorry you slept in to work late and got fired I'm sorry your postman Mr. House and you missed you know this birthday card they had such specific ones and on Father's Day they had no Father's Day cards I ended up eventually coming home having to face my brother with no card my dad was okay about it I was like the worst daughter in the world and I was so late and I remember just like going up to my bedroom and just like collapsing on the bed and then they're like we're going to the blessings of graven for the first time ever I was like I can't come I can't walk I can't do anything they didn't know I it was years I'm talking maybe 10 years before I finally told them what the hell happened and what did they say when you told them they laughed they just laughed they're like oh my god that's all that was and I'm like yeah I know but I built it up to be so because I wasn't like, really, like I wasn't like a rule breaker I know I did both things I, well, I that's what I was going to say like but also that's really unfair because for them to say oh that's all that was like at the, on like at the time you would have been in so much trouble like, for lying so where trouble. I was and then they'd presume I was doing something wrong yes. because I mean at the time I used to go drink and smoke like maybe a couple of times a year because you just couldn't afford it but like outside of the house we do like especially as teenagers but so I couldn't act all innocent because nay they never knew I did that I was just about to say we were actually very good with getting away with everything we got away with all of our shit yeah never got caught on anything like that thank fuck yeah and we used to do it quite close to our houses like oh my god I used to drink outside of the lad school which is a diagonal from my house yeah you could wave into the house like if any of them had gone up to an upstairs window and they huh? would have seen you 100% if they looked outside an upstairs window. Like, mm. You gotta love a little bit of negligence. Not a lot, just a little. Yeah, just a little. Just, you need that danger. Yeah. I could get caught, but I'm very certain they don't care. Yeah. Um, now, what I'm going to discuss are three teenagers who took their angst levels to the nth degree and um, basically not as like fun stories like what we would have. These are, these are not three teens that would have stories so the first I'm going to look at are now I'm just going to say throw it out there I'm going to discuss three teenagers who are murderers Mm -hmm. if people don't want to listen to this part I want to skip to the part where we're talking about films I'd say just maybe give the next 10 minutes a skip just a bit of a warning I don't really go into graphic detail but just if no one wants to be triggered by anything if you're not a true crime person yeah 100% I know it kind of sometimes goes into a horror but not all the time so yeah 10 minutes you should be back on track so the first person I'm going to discuss is Jasmine Richardson who at the age of 12 she started dating a 23 year old man who claimed to be a 300 year old werewolf oh my god so I mean unsurprisingly her parents were not like a big fan of this relationship 
like they were rightfully creeped out by it by the fact that the guy was 11 years older than their daughter thought he was a 300 year old werewolf like i mean sorry my 12 year old dating at all i'm a bit weird about yes 100 percent. at most you're just out of primary school just about to head into secondary school i remember going into secondary school at 12 and then being like are you a frigid and i didn't know what it was but I knew I, I didn't want to admit that I was one, even though I was. And frigid and drahada, because I know it has different things, was that you just hadn't shifted somebody. Yeah, which hadn't means had the on. you hadn't kissed somebody with tongues. And I was like, oh my God, of course I'm not a frigid. I was totally a frigid. It, oh, so was I. But I tell you, it's, it's tantamount to leprosy. Social <laughs> it's when you get to a certain age when you're older and they're like you're a virgin it's like no of course I'm not but like you know, I once age, had a friend I went to school with um, say that to me like we were we were only out of secondary school I'm talking to well maybe it was September or October or something like that or or whatever and I was like yeah I'm still virgin so I couldn't give a shit like and she was like good for you I'm like oh my god do not we're 18 I think I was I was still 17. I hadn't turned 18 yet. And I was like, don't be such a bitch. I was like, I couldn't care less about this shit. Yeah, no, no. But, I did, like, oh, yeah. I was I, <laughs> I was quite early. I was 16. But um, it didn't matter. Like, it really yes, didn't matter. it really doesn't. But it did then for some people. Yeah. So when Jasmine's parents tried to break up their relationship, it didn't really go so well and um, they refused to break up and instead Jasmine killed her parents and then sadly stabbed her younger brother to death in his bed. Oh. Mm, police investigators found out that the two had made a point to murder anyone who got in the way of their love. Oh. However, now in prison, Jasmine hopes to lead a normal life when she's released and her social workers have said she's like the picture, she's the poster girl for reform in prison. Well, like, the thing is, like, 100% that child was groomed. Like, yeah, you know, she wasn't... And, like, she's in prison. She did the killing. I don't know if the boyfriend ended up going in for, like, paedophilia or or something, you know, like, sexual assault. And, you know, the Um, one thing is, obviously, I don't know this case, but, like, there's a high possibility that he didn't. And you're like, like, that's just so not right. I've never... I'm also just talking out my answer. (laughs) But you know, like when you see, I've never personally seen it, but I've heard of some people who, now there's one person I know and she was like, say 16 and her boyfriend was like maybe 19 or 20. Now they're married with two kids then. So it's, I'm not saying it worked out, but they're happy. The age gap obviously becomes less of a problem the older you are. Yeah, um, I think 16 to 19 is very different to 12 to 20. He, yes. Oh, I wouldn't particularly think 16 to 19 is that big. Um, although it kind of is like well, could you imagine being like 19... to school by your boyfriend in his car and he's about to drive off to work yeah yeah I suppose it is context yeah but look I mean yeah it, it, it worked out all right um, but yeah so so that was the story of Jasmine but like I have no idea what happened to the boyfriend if he ended up in prison as well of course she was like 
And she did the killing. So did he tell her, you need to get rid of them. They're standing in our way. Did she take it upon herself? That's you know, the thing as well with the whole 12 year old thing. And they often say this now in terms of like children who are being bullied online at a very young age, you see that they take their own lives. Yeah. And it's almost that they, they kind of, that part of your brain just doesn't compute that actually if you do take your own life or the life of somebody else that's permanent that's yes. it done and it's you just like kind of, you see on the tv yeah and I was watching a movie there the last day and it was a horror movie now it was nothing to do with the podcast but she said something her her sister had attempted to take her own life and she was like she almost it was kind of almost the romantic version of it because this was the way her favorite author had passed away and like there are people who are kind of like this would be like it's the romantic side that they see they're not actually seeing that they're they're murdering people they're kind of like we're against all odds we're together forever baby do you know like at 12 I don't think you can compute that if you kill somebody that's them gone for every forever Forever and that if you commit suicide that you can't miraculously come back yeah yeah that if you were to do that if you were to take your own life and they often say that like that people just don't realize that that is such a permanent yeah decision a hundred percent so the second person i'm going to look at is charles starkweather now charles killed 11 people in nebraska and wyoming when he was 19 And he did most of these killings between an eight day period in January. I think it was, I don't have the year, but anyway, bad enough. Um, So at all throughout his killing spree, he had his 14 year old girlfriend, Carol Ann Fugate, by his side. There was no mention in in the article I was reading if she had anything to do with it or if she was just there or whatever. But now the pair were arrested and convicted. And Starkweather was executed for the crime and Carol was imprisoned for 17 years. And their story of like their, their crime and murder spree had inspired many TV shows and films, including the film Natural Born Killers. Hmm. So that's a big one. That's yes. like, like with Jasmine, it was she did it because she wanted to get, you know, it was she did it just for someone specifically for a specific reason. Whereas Charles was just on a killing spree about the look. But I did, I said to Grace before we were recording, I'm like, never ever Google teenage murderers because there are a lot. There are a lot that do it so young. There are a lot that like, there was some guy I was reading where by his second murder, the police still released him and hadn't convicted him because I don't know whether or not they were looking accidental. Um, and it's just like, oh my God, you know, like when you think they're so young, Yes. And you just think, oh, it's not their fault. It was an accident. It was this, that, and the other. And then you're like, no, 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 no. Some of these are literally just like there was one where I was reading it and this guy was there saying, and he was, I can't remember who it was, but he was like, he was always fascinated with um with always wanted to kill someone. Yeah. And you're just like, you you just don't think that someone from the ages of like 12 to obviously now 19 or whatever, because we're talking about teenage, but has it in them. Yeah. take a life especially that young because I think like like were there no red flags like 
like or was it a case of like nature and nurture where maybe they weren't in the best upbringing Mm -hmm. you don't know you could have a fantastic upbringing but just like there was a fantastic family to talk about Kevin yeah and he had a grand home just sometimes there's no helping people yeah a hundred percent now this may sound familiar for a lot of people for different reasons and i'll all come to you when i finish this but the third and final person we're going to discuss is barry lucatus i think i've said that right um so on february 2nd lucatus entered frontier middle school armed with two handguns and a hunting rifle he walked into his algebra classroom and fired rounds at students and his teacher killing three students and the teacher His mental health was questioned during his trial and a psychiatrist testified that he had been experiencing delusions during the shooting. Now, they don't say what kind of delusions, they just said delusions. However, prosecutors argue that the shooting was meticulously planned and it may have possibly inspired Pearl Jam song Jeremy. I know Jeremy ends in a different way in the music video. Um, And after a year long trial, he was sentenced to serve two life sentences without parole. So yeah, there's like the first season of American Horror Story. Oh. Where he goes into, he was bullied. Like, like I said, I, I probably would want to look into Barry's case a bit more in detail just to see, was it a bullying situation? Was it this? Was it that? And I know I did try to stay away from, but I'm just going to briefly mention like the Columbine murders. Yes. Like that they were like, oh, they were bullied kids. I'm like, no, one of the kids was actually a bully and he was like kind of bullying his other friend into this. Mm -hmm. So like, it's, there's a, there could be a lot going on. Like, Like I said, with Barry's case, I don't know whether or not he was being bullied or as the psychiatrist said, he had delusions. He may have been told he had to do this. So it's all just very sad. And, and again, it's just like, you wonder what would happen if these kids, had help given to them at different times or just found out that because like that there's a part of the brain that hasn't emotionally grown yeah 100% these killings and sprees and whatever you're doing that death is the only way to get out of these situations you have to kill the person you have to do whatever or or just also thinking that it couldn't go that far I killed them I didn't know I'd actually kill them by doing x y or z I didn't know if I stabbed her she'd die you know (laughs) something like that so yeah, so we're going to move on from the, the gritty side of, of the actual teenagers and uh, we're going to like at least discover, or not discover, we're going to discuss some films that have either, as we said, it's all fictional now. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about either teens as killers or as cannon fodder. So Grace, what was your first film? So my first one is the remake, kind of, it's not exactly a remake, um, reboot, nod to I suppose uh, 2009 Sorority Row, which was um, originally the house in Sorority Row, um, a 1980s movie, which had one of the real housewives of Beverly Hills as its protagonist or main character, because she was actually a bitch. Um, Yeah, so this movie sees um, a group of sorority sisters try to cover up the death of one of their sorority sisters in a prank gone terribly wrong. Um, so a very familiar plot line to a movie. We've seen it in Jawbreaker. Um, we've seen it in loads of movies. It opens up at the sorority's um, 
like a big party that they're throwing and the sisters are um in their bedroom and they're chatting away they're like here's for senior year yay and you can tell that they start to kind of tell you the cliched people who are there so you have like the core group so you have the bitch um you have the kind of like sweeter girl who's still like you know she's definitely going to be the one who later on you know has a bit more morals you have the um the girl who's like the sidekick to the bitch do you know she's probably the girl who's actually really nice to you when the bitch isn't there oh yes you know she kind of like when the bitch is like you're such a bitch she's like yeah (laughs) totally i love me yeah then you have the slutty girl and then you have um the girl who they they're doing this toast thing where they go around and they're like I love you because and then they turn around to Rummer Willis who plays Ellie and they're like I love you because you're like always here to help with homework you're like a spell check with a nice rack and um so they have these great stereotypical stereotypes within the group and then they go in and they're watching this um this recording of their other sorority sister who wasn't there who's played by Atrina Patridge from the hills which was one of the reasons why I was so obsessed with this movie when I was younger because I was madly obsessed with the hills and it was a horror movie um so she is on the bed she's you know making out with her boyfriend who is brother to the in quotes, slutty character Chugs, who is actually just somebody who likes to express herself sexually. And um, she is lying on the bed. She kind of goes a bit lifeless and the friends are like, oh my God, what's happening? What's happening? And then she starts to like puke and like all this like foam comes from her mouth. And um, the brother is like, oh my God, oh my God. And um, the sweet girl, Cassidy, who's played by... Brianna Evigan, who was in a step up to the streets. Um, So she uh, she's like, oh, my God, what's happening? What's happening? And uh, the girls then tell her, look, it's actually a prank. So they said they had told the brother to slip their friend two roofies which are actually just like aspirin or something but he basically um or they gave him a couple of pills and if they were like you gave them all to her and he's like I didn't know I didn't know and they're like oh my god you killed her and so if that wasn't as bad they really go into we need to make sure that this lands properly so they all get into the car they're like oh my god we need to cover this up she died at a house party at our house we're going to leave our lose our um chartership or whatever um so they all pile into the car he's obviously freaking out because he thinks he has killed Audrina Partridge and uh, the girls are like, oh, my God, she's definitely dead. Uh, then Cassidy is like, look, it's just it. And they're like, ha, ha, ha. So they make sure that she doesn't, she doesn't, you know, they don't tell. They get to this place, which is like so atmospherically just like perfect for a horror movie. It's like this like fucking oil kind of rig kind of thing Mm -hmm. and the way they light this is like so perfect I want it on every t-shirt I own um and there's a well there because like you know and so they they all decide that look this is actually going to really harm 
their future. They're never going to go on and do the things that they wanted to do and that they now need to dismember the body. Now, the the way that they um, describe how they're going to dismember the body should have really been his first kind of indication that this was a joke Um, because they talk about getting many small, little, sharp, jagged rocks to dismember the body. (sighs) Yeah. Um, Not your normal way. Do you know, they then make a joke that, um, you know, if they just throw her down the well, sure, she's going to float. She has so much silicone in her. (laughs) (laughs) Lol. Um, So when they're doing that, uh, they're videotaping this because they want to be able to go, oh, you're such a pussy to your man. Mm. Um, he, He then kind of is like, right, okay, how do I make sure she doesn't float? So he gets a tire iron and he rams it into her lungs. Oh. So there's no air in her lungs. So she won't float. Well, I guess. Like, there's no so. air. There's no air. And they're like, what the fuck did you do? <laughs> and he's like, but she was dead. And they were like, no, she wasn't. And he's like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously she then actually does die so then they have this whole predicament and then like the kind of like the head of the sorority turns around she's like look nothing has actually changed here everything we said earlier is 100% true we can just keep going with the way we were going to do this so it's Jessica she's the you know she's the main girl um and she is just like like I'm not letting a stupid prank and your stupid brother ruin the rest of my life Megan is dead and that's it you know there's not much more we can do about it yeah so um Cassidy decides that no she's not down with us at all uh she goes up to try and get um coverage on her phone because of course there's no coverage at all um and then uh, she can't get coverage she comes back they've wrapped um Megan up in her blanket or something they've thrown her down the well and there she's like where is she and they're like oh she's in the well <laughs> so sad too bad <laughs> says and then Jessica's like we all saw you kill her and she's like what and she's like it's literally your word against ours now so you can tell anybody you want but we know the real story that you killed her and you threw her down here so she's like shit under the bus under the fucking bus so then it goes to a couple of months later so they're like graduating and uh Cassidy hasn't stayed as close to her sisters funnily enough after they have murdered one of their own and have said if she were to tell they're going to blame her um so she has kind of been staying away with her boyfriend a lot. And um, Jessica's like, oh, here's the little boy who took our Cassie away. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's all like a bit, you know, Jessica's just such a dick, but she's so good at it. I was watching it. Um, I was watching an interview with them and she was just like, yeah, I played the, the real bitch. But she was like, I think she's kind of misunderstood a bit but also yeah she's just pretty horrible um so it kind of goes from they're now having this big party and it's you know typical kind of sorority like um frat house parties that you see Mm -hmm. in american tv shows 
Um, the either the, the yeah the director of this movie when he was younger. So he said that like when he looked at horror movies when he was younger in the eighties, this is where he would get his <laughs> his TNA. So his tips. Oh yeah. Us. Now, there was a part of me that was like, actually, that must be such a, it, I imagine it's like a young boy having like a Playboy magazine. Do you know that kind of way? There was no harm intended in it and stuff like that. So I was kind of like, oh, I can kind of see where this weird nostalgic kind of thing comes into play here. So mm-hmm. he really wanted to have this as kind of a bit of a theme going through the movie. The theme might be a bit of a stretch here mm-hmm. with the word. But the the casting directors actually put in the main roles women who had flat out refused to do naked scenes. So there's a lot of background nakedness. So there's a lot of like just girls naked on a table and kissing and stuff like that. And like at one stage, one of the girls is in the senior bathroom and she turns around, uh, Jessica turns around, she's like, drop your towel. You're not supposed to be here. And she says, this is for you, for all of you. And it's a reference to the audience to basically say, here's your tits and ass. Oh. Um, And she said she would have definitely gone naked, except she's incredibly flat chested. So she was like. I don't see the point. <laughs> um, so yeah, it goes on. They start to get messages. Um, like it's a bit pretty little liars. They're getting photos of like the tire iron and they're getting photos of something else. And they think possibly that it's Gareth, the brother who's doing it, but it's not. Then they all start to kind of get pitted off. Actually, sorry, before the, before the, um, party that they have they have like this kind of end of an era meeting with their um house mother who's played by Carrie Fisher and she gives everybody a bracelet now if you haven't seen this movie this is like something that kind of predicts something later on but I actually never noticed it until I read it on IMDb so it's not necessarily giving anything away Mm -hmm. unless you like really look at the scene but out of the group that keep the bracelets that uh, Mrs. Crenshaw gives them, um, they survive. And the three girls who throw them and go, I'm never wearing this, they don't. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, that's a kind of cool thing. I, did, I never noticed that. Um, so Chugs goes, she wants to get some um, tablets from her um, therapist so that they can all take them at the party. Um, her therapist is an absolute pervert. And she has to do a lot of favors to get these. Um, but unfortunately, Chugs dies. Um, oh. Now, this is in the trailer, so it's not oh. giving anything away. Um, her death is fairly, um, it's fairly graphic. So she, um, she's drinking a bottle of wine and it gets like shoved into her mouth. And you can see it in her throat, like the outline of it pretty gross so you kind of have this like it reminded me of valentine um i'm pretty sure one of the deaths was very similar to that um the killer in this is very similar to i know what you did last summer the kind of look of them and they actually say that the director had given them a um kind of 
a care package of horror movies to go and watch and they were told not to watch the um, original one and the director and writer of the original one is actually an executive producer on this one but um, they were told to watch Scream I know what she did last summer Heather's Mean Girls just to kind of get those things in their head like it was the the friendship and camaraderie of like scream and then the bitchiness of heathers and mean girls Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of similarities to i know what you did last summer as well so if you love any of those movies you are gonna like this um it goes on and people are pitted off one by one then at one stage I think it's a bit of a silly thing. They're on the steps getting a photo taken. Ellie screams and she's like, oh my God, Adrena's back or Megan. And it's actually Megan's sister. Now, the thing is, she looks nothing like her. Like there's no way that you'd go. It would have been like me having died and you seeing my sister, Alex or Ginny and being like, oh my God, it's Grace. <laughs> Like it's, you're not going to it's just not, not twins it's not where you know we have similarities but you're not going to mistake us for the same person um so there's a lot of kind of like oh could it be them could it be them so you obviously think it's going to be the sister is it the sister I don't know um the person who it ends up actually being I was kind of like yeah cool yeah didn't see that coming so I've ruined that it's absolutely not the sister um (laughs) but it's somebody that I just wouldn't have thought of and I was kind of like oh yeah that's cool I like that that's kind of cool and it's a funny it's kind of cool the way that they did it like his reasoning behind it and how he found out and stuff like that yeah the thing is it's really funny because when he the way he found out I was kind of like being a bit sneaky why are you telling him those things um so yeah I think it's a great film it's that real kind of stereotypical teen slasher genre there is to quote the director there's loads of TNA um and it's just really bitchy it's really great it was cast really well I think um the girls who are in it are just really good um it was really perfect for the time as well the casting like your one who plays um, Cassidy was brilliant because she was in uh, Step Up to the Streets, which was a huge thing. Roma Willis was then in um, The House Bunny. Like everybody was quite a name. And then, of course, you have Carrie Fisher and you're just like, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's really good. It's just um, good, clean horror fun. They were actually going to bring this down to... Um, a it was or rated and they brought it down to is it like pg-13 that they say in america nc-17 or something yeah like something like that because prom night the remake i don't know if i've ever spoken about that movie <laughs> <laughs> warren was like why don't you do prom night and i was like because i always talk about it um that's one thing i wanted to stay away from i was like i can't do scream and i can't do prom night um but yeah, they on the back of how well that did, they were like, right, we're going to bring it down. And uh, then they actually were like, no, we're going to keep it as an R rating. And nothing was cut from the NCA. Is that the right way of saying it? Or whoever mm-hmm. cuts stuff from movies. Uh, they actually didn't cut anything from it. No, there you go. Yeah. So definitely something to go into 
like I um this is my genre like I love these movies I know it's not for everybody so if you're not big into those movies just know that it's kind of like just a bit of fun it's a bit of crack yeah this whole genre of like um these films like especially mine too mine too are like basically hum- horror comedies again because that's almost like again that's something I'll always talk about I find I'm just like drawn towards yeah I think I love a laugh as well as a um and because I sometimes laugh in straight up horror films that I think I'm just like what maybe it's just way my brain <laughs> is wired <laughs> yeah oh well done Gracie thank you yeah and then funny enough actually the girl who played the sister hmm years later Audrina Patridge and herself would um link up again because she is featured in the reboot of the hills there you go you you never know who could become chums in one film and then you know like stay on and being friends afterwards it's crazy it's crazy she actually is the CEO and founder of like pizza girl boss or something there you go fair play yeah so there you go now so what was your first movie? It was a film that I absolutely adore. I've only seen like the once, but it was 2017's The Babysitter. Love it. That was, apparently actually I've only realized, again, thanks to the trivia, I love trivia from IMDb. It gives me so much insight. Like I feel the- like, I was about to say we should be sponsored by IMDb, but I was about to, then I was kind of like, no, we should probably be paying yeah. IMDb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> um, they're keeping us in episodes. Yeah. Um, so this film was actually made in 2015. I was it, like, it, it works so well because Samara Weaving still looks young enough for yeah. it now. Um, she's got one of those young faces anyway, but she, she does. She totally fits the part of the teenage babysitter. But this film, so they had made it. It kind of got shelved. It was meant to be released. It didn't. Netflix bought the rights to it, but only streamed it then in 2017. Which is why, because I was like, I was like that. By the time they did the sequel, I'm like, well, they look a lot older. Mm-hmm. It was just obviously done in different times, but anyway. So, um, because it's only, I think I like to stick within like a five year thing. Many people might not have seen it because it was only done five years. People might not have Netflix. There's reasons, so I'm gonna go into it, but I try not to go into too much. Yeah. So here we have the set of actually, it's just it's a really um. It is your standard straight up, you know, it's about a young boy and his babysitter and then the boy is like a wimp and he has to overcome a lot of things, but it's just still done so well. I don't know what it is about like up-to-date films or whether it's just obviously if you have the right amount of money and actors in it, it's just done so well. So we have 12-year-old Cole Johnson. He is being bullied and God, bullied badly by his neighbour, Jeremy, like he does like a, a weekly egg in his house. He just goes straight up and punches him when he sees him. Like it's just, there's no reasoning with them. And I hate that about bullies. But anyway, um, so there's a thing where we, we see an opening where um, his parents are kind of struggling with their relationship. And so they keep taking trips away. So he has his babysitter, B would come and stay for like a couple of days or like the weekend and uh, she's real cool uh cole is not he hates spiders like his we he speaks to his mom his mom is in the crawl space underneath the house and he's afraid of all the spiders that are down there she's setting rat traps and um like in school he has to get like an injection i don't know whether it's a vaccine or what and he like screams eventually like he doesn't get it like he's 
all these sort of things. He has like a neighbor across the way and he really likes her, but he's almost too chicken to even say that he likes her. Yes. So it's, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on and you can kind of see like they do it in such a way where, you know, well, the crossbow is going to get used for something. A needle is going to get used for something. Um, but uh, so he's on his way home from school and the bully Jeremy is at him again. The babysitter comes up for him and scares off the bully and then they get in the car and you can just see that they have a really nice relationship. Like he he may have a crush on her. I'd say he definitely does because tomorrow evening is just freaking hot. Yes. Um, and she's just so cool. Uh, I was like, I wish I was like her or even as a babysitter. But um, so we had the following day uh, his parents go out for an overnight stay at the hotel. Again, trying to rekindle their romance so B and Cole spend some quality time together like they watch films outside they go to a pool there's this scene where you can tell he hit puberty right there and then she's coming out in like the quintessential red bikini and it's like I don't know Stacy's mom but I know it's really something from an 80s I was just thinking it reminds me of Stacy's mom (laughs) yeah and I think they got that from Fast Times at Ridgemont High if I have that one right oh god my 90s films are really, sometimes they're really bad but anyway yeah so it's that scene like oh she's hot she's blonde she's in a red bikini and you're like yeah yeah your balls dropped right there sonny um so they have a great job like and then uh, B is saying to him because I think when he's he's in the car with his neighbor he's on the school bus that she's like oh you know when you go to bed like your babysitter probably brings all her friends over and he's like oh I must go see and then because she just like always sends him to bed every night when they're when she's staying over. She's like, you know, you you go on, you get to bed. And because he's only 12, he does. But this time he pretends to be asleep. And um so he's like, no, I'm not. Yeah. So his what well, I'm trying to say, yeah. So he gets a text from his neighbor and best. So Melanie, Melanie's the girl across the road, and he goes to go to sleep. But what he sees. He's, he then he like Melanie's like go see what they're doing and so he goes up and he's looking down and so there's be a load of high school kids or people of different ages like he's never seen them before and they're playing like spin the bottle and they're like doing truth or dare with spin the bottle when it lands on B she is she picks dare and she's dared to kiss everybody and like there's a scene where she kisses one of the girls she's kissing all the guys and then there's this kid yeah, she's um Samuel and he's like you can just tell like it's like as if they just picked him up off the street he's not meant to be there and he's like when she's about to kiss him he says to her I I don't know and she's like it's just a bit of fun and he looks a bit nerdy god love him and so she goes to kiss him and as she kisses him she pulls out two daggers from behind her back and stabs him in the skull oh yeah like this for it being a horror comedy it is also gory but my sense of humor I laughed through it but like with that I remember just going holy shit like I thought they I didn't know what they were going to do because you don't see this coming mile away as inside you really don't you don't know what's going to happen and again I am so sorry if if um I'm spoiling the shit out of this as I'm trying not to I just won't give the ending away but this is from within like I'd say the first 20 minutes yeah I think everybody knows that is the yeah so it turns out that they're like basically all um they want to make a deal with the devil and they need 
um, blood of a virgin. So how she found him, I don't know. But anyway, so they're all either side of Samuel's head with the dagger still in it. And then she takes them out. They have cups like chalices and they're collecting his blood. And so it's then revealed. And this is all with Cole watching. And that's when he discovers that they are members of a demonic cult. So Cole hurries back to his room called 911. Like we see in an early part of the film in the in the opening shots that he would have liked to have been a cop. So he knows kind of all the little codes, you know, 10-4 or it's a 10-22 or whatever, you know, like. And so he rings 911 and he tells them that there he's witnessed a murder in his house. And um, but prior to no, 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 I think it's no, it's still it's happened. Um, he finds a pocket knife. He tries to escape, but then he hears them coming up to his room and he's like, right, he pretends to be asleep because B had, I think, kind of like testing the boundaries with him early on, was like giving him a shot of whiskey. But he was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm totally cool. I can have a drink. But he like poured it out when she wasn't watching, but she drugged it and she's like, don't worry, he's unconscious. He won't know anything. And so he has to already immediately man up and pretend not to be afraid of needles, pretend to still be asleep whilst they try and get, so they needed virgin's blood which is what they had Samuel for and they needed yeah. blood of an innocent so that's what Cole was for but instead of like killing him they were because you can see that B like likes them yeah. as a friend so they just take a syringe of blood from him. however none of them are like doctors or nurses and they miss the vein and the part so they're like stabbing him with the with the needle to try and get blood and eventually they get it and um B notices that the window in his room was open and she's like, no, that was closed when he went. He's not really unconscious. And then she kind of has to smile and say, fair play. You pretended to be asleep and you hate needles and, you know, you mind up. So she stays in the room. She hides. And the others go downstairs to try and continue on with the, um, what would you say it was? A cult. They're trying to give their souls to the devil for something. Spell? Incantation? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, let's go incantation. The rest of us go downstairs. And he tries, then Colin tries to, he's made like, um, put a few sheets together and he tries to climb out his room. But B stays in the room. And as he's, she, you just see her kind of, it's, it's cool. It's like in the sun, she just kind of pops out in shadows as he's like trying to figure out a way to get out. But he then passes out from the exhaustion and the fact that he had people, they didn't take a lot of blood, but I think it's just more like the adrenaline kicks into him or, or leaves the system. So then when he comes to, He's then downstairs in the sitting room tied to a chair. So B and her cult, they question Cole. And while spending off these questions by saying, oh yeah, they, they keep trying to act like as if he didn't see anything. He didn't see a kill. It was a science project. However, he had already called the cops. So the cops then bust through the door. And we have one of these guys, Max, he seems like a real bro. He's like shirt off in like the first part of, I don't know whether he didn't want to get the blood on it, but it was, now he's got a nice bod. So whatever. I'm sure that was in his contract. Like with the women, I'm getting nude. Nowadays, we are getting a lot of men having to go topless. Yes. And I do remember, just a little side story, but like, what was it, Chris Hemsworth or some of the guys basically with the Marvel films saying that, um, or was it Ryan Reynolds? Someone who I think did a Marvel film, but it was in a different film. And then they're like, and now here's where you take, you know, you're going to mass and now here's where you take off your T-shirt. Like it had no sense but they're saying because of the marvel films because all these guys are legitimately ripped anyone in any film any man now has to have a great body yeah and so, like yeah. they're doing like serious harm to themselves like i think if zach efron like fucked himself up for 
Baywatch and he says it himself. Yeah, she wasn't. I remember he said he had to like eat. He couldn't get the protein in him quick enough. So he was blending chicken to just drink it. And I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just drink a buttload of protein powder. I'm sure it's not the same, but Christ. Anyway, yeah. So Max is topless throughout the whole film. And uh, when one of the cops arrives, Max like throws a poker, like um, a spear, and it goes through the cop's eyes. And then one of the other 12. Huh? Did you not say that he's 12? No, no, no. Cole is the 12 year old. Max is one of the people from the demonic cult too. Shirtless guy. We'll just call him shirtless Max. I was like, I really hope I've heard this wrong. (laughs) Yeah, no, Cole is like, obviously, he's still tied down. He's hoping to be rescued. Um, And yeah, so Max kills one of the cops with a poker through the eye. And the other cop shoots off his gun and shoots Alison, who's she's um oh what's the actress's name I didn't know her in anything else but she's meant to be like really popular Bella Thorne yeah Bella Thorne I'm like I don't know who she is she was a she was a um like Disney girl and then she like proper rebelled and then she like joined uh, OnlyFans and I think she like oh. got so much money in the first day that they actually had to put a cap on stuff because <gasps> she like got a ridiculous amount of money I'm still thinking Grace if we ever set up a Patreon it should just be only hands and it's our hands like today I'm holding a bottle tomorrow I'm giving the finger idea. and what are our hands going to do every day pay on to our Patreon and you will see in because your homes only hands yeah Telling you, Grace, it's going to be something. If anyone wants to see it, email us and uh, then we'll start charging you. I think it's going to work out. So Alison is a cheerleader and we discover when they were taken before the cops come that like everyone who is there, we have Max, John, Alison, Sonia, and then we they're the four who are with B and then Samuel, who they obviously sacrificed. So Max turns out he just likes killing people and that's why he's there. He doesn't want anything out of it. John wants to become a rapper. Alison is, I think she wants to become a journalist, even though she's like, I think either they scripted where they wanted it. She's a cheerleader and it was whatever. And Sonia is, I don't know whether she's a photographer or something, but they all have, they want something. So B recruited all these people for what, you know, she goes out and she finds people. Like it was kind of hinted at that Cole, she went to go look for Cole. Like Cole wasn't, um oh no I'm going into it too much people put your fingers in ears if you don't want to know but basically (laughs) this isn't the first time B's done this she because at the end she's like I'm gonna have to go to another town so she's finding these people so there's like a question of how old is B how long has she been doing this is she really who she is is she like if she's done this a few times what if she's perpetually like a 17 year old yes and you know has she got super because she said I wanted to be stronger and I wanted to be more confident so you know like if you just get to keep doing this because she has the book is she has basically like this ancient book and it's like the devil's bible and this is how she does all the incantations and so with this like she's going town to town recruiting people um so Alison, I veered off a lot towards the end. Coming back, Alison has been shot by one of the cops, but she gets shot in her boob. And it's, <laughs> all, it's so funny because it's all she keeps complaining about. She's like, why here? I got shot in the boob. Um, and then B and Max kill the other cop because B like 
cuts his throat. Again, very graphic. Um, B then forces Cole to give on the, to see then here their, their radios are going off. B knows that Cole knows all the codes. And so she forces Cole to give out the, the police code over the radio to say, um, everything's fine. No need to do anything, mm-hmm. even though two of them are dead. So there's no one coming to rescue Cole now. There's no backup. Um, so when Allison is complaining about being shot in the boob, Cole then uses they're the kind of bickering in because they don't really know each other. So um, Cole runs up the stairs and John pursues him, but he accidentally gets, he trips on like a, a toy and falls over the banister, lands on a trophy that impales him in the neck. So there's like Allison's going to eventually be like, she has been shot in the chest. They can't go for help. So there's basically two of them are out of the game. So Cole then tries to escape out of his bedroom with the sheets. And Max, like Max is very strong in this. Um, and so you see him like pulling Cole up and then Cole eventually just has to let go of the sheets, falls to the ground, goes into the crawl space, which he hates. So again, it's another thing he's overcoming. He can't even think about all these little, you'd look at them now as being like, trivial problems he had you know earlier on that day but now he's got no choice but to face all of his fears in the face of an even bigger fear of being killed Mm -hmm. because first he just wanted a syringe of his blood and now he knows too much and now he's seen too much now he just has to die Uh, and he knows this like he's a smart kid so he goes into the crawl space but he kind of goes into his garage and he gets a couple of things because there's a joke as john is chasing up the stairs going this isn't home alone but there is like it's a mixture of Home Alone and MacGyver, a few things that Cole grabs to try and help himself. Like he grabs bug spray and a giant um, firecracker and a few different things. So he's successfully- it's very like, funny. They're very self-aware, like. Yes. And that's what I like about like horror comedies now is that the fourth wall got broken, I'd say about a decade ago. And now you, I think Scream started it. Scream was the most self-aware it's not a comedy, but it was most self-aware horror of its time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think because that was so popular and people saw it as being so refreshing that they're like, oh, well, if we can, I mean, if they can get away with it and make sequels and sequels out of it, then you should be, you know, self-aware rom-coms, self-aware, you know, horror films, all this sort of stuff where it's like, it's this thing where we're like, we're not going to act like as if they're stupid anymore. Yeah. So I do like that. But anyway, so... um. Sonia then goes into the crawl space to go see if he's there and Cole is hiding underneath a blanket but there are spiders and I'm not talking about little spiders like there are fucking like tarantulas underneath there I was yeah I'm shake I'm like pulling my arms here I can feel like there's stuff on me and uh, I'm not a fan of spiders people um so he they're then the yeah hmm? they're not the nicest no no it's the hair it's the hair on the on a bigger spider and it's the fact that they can jump Spiders can jump. Fuck that shit. Anyway, yeah. So Sonia then, she's about to leave. He flicks the spider off and it hits onto him, a rat trap. So you see everything is coming back full circle. Sonia then comes back after him. He escapes through the, oh yeah, he fires off the firecracker, but it misses. And then he manages to crawl out through the crawl space, put the netting back over it. And then he like is going to spray Sonia with the bug spray just to, you know, knock her out a bit or, or blind her. But it hits with the um, sparkler, well, the, the fire from the firecracker and boom, 
He fucking blows her out and himself sets him going flying across the garden. But Max, shirtless Max, has been watching all of this. And as I said, he's just here to kill people. So he's like applauding. It gets really weird. He's like applauding Cole for sticking up for himself. He's like, but I'm going to have to kill you now. He's like, fair play. Yeah. So he then chases him around the house and or around out in the garden. And then as he's about to like choke him, you just hear this thud, thud, thud around the outside of the house. And Max's like, what the fuck is that? And Cole's like, oh, it's my bully. It's his weekly egging of the house. And Max is like, you can't let anyone do that. It's so weird. He's about to kill him, but he's like, you have to stand up for yourself. You can't let someone just egg your house every week. So he forces Cole to go out and stand up to the bully. And not only is like Cole at this age probably having an outer body experience. He's like, don't egg my house, you fucking dick. And so um, Jeremy, uh, the neighbor, just like punches him in the stomach. And then like lands an egg on his head as he's trying to explain, they're trying to kill me. And of course, there's no one around because they're all still hiding. Um, or two of them are almost dead or three, three. Uh, so anyway, it doesn't go so well. But Max is like, look, fair play. So they end up, Cole runs off, goes up into his um, tree house. And Max like reverent, reverently, Okay, scrap that. He tries to be nice and he wipes the egg off of Cole's head. Um, and he's like, you know, I'm going to let you die as a man, you know, going to get the egg out of your hair. But because it must be like shit wood that the treehouse was on and Max is just so strong, he falls and he falls through it. But he tries to, because he climbed up behind Cole with a rope um, and he tries to grab onto the rope, but he's got the egg on his hand that he had wiped off of Cole's hair. So he slips a lot. Next, you know, in such a calamity of this, basically, he ends up hanging himself. Mm-hmm. And so Cole can then escape. He goes back. I think he goes, oh, yeah, B is there with a shotgun. So he then sees Melanie, his neighbor, across the way. She's like, come on over. And so she runs in. He explains the whole situation. And then he tells Melanie that, you know, he really likes her and all this sort of stuff. And he's starting to like man up with everything. He tells her to like call the police and stay there. And she kisses Cole before he leaves. So you can definitely see like something's going to happen. He's, he's starting to get his groove on. And he doesn't want Melanie to get into any trouble because they're now in her house. So he leaves her house to go back into his own house so that he can confront B. Now, the weird thing is when he goes into his house, because he's told Melanie to ring the cops, there isn't a bit of furniture out of place in the house. There isn't a dead body to be seen. There's no blood. B has used that time to clear. Obviously, as you said, this isn't her first rodeo. She's cleaned the house pristinely, which you're like, how? And how are you hiding the bodies? Because so far, technically, Cole hasn't killed anyone outright. With Sonia, it was, he just was spraying, bug spraying her face. Max, um, he accidentally hung himself and John fell off the banister and got impaled. So like he hasn't killed anyone per se. So, but like all the bodies are gone. So he then sees Alison and he thinks she's just sitting on a chair with the bullet wound to her um, chest. And, but then she grabs him because he thinks she's dead. And then she chases him around the kitchen. He starts throwing like anything he can get at, at her and she grabs a knife and she's just about to stab him where then, B comes in and just like blows her head off with a shotgun and B explains to Cole 
that when she was young, she had made a deal with the devil to get whatever she wanted by sacrificing innocent people and spilling their blood on the ancient book while reciting its verses. Um, and because at this stage now, I think Cole has managed to get the devil's Bible and he has like a light or two. He's like, fucking tell me what the hell's going on. Because people have shat on me my whole life. And he goes, now I'm not taking it anymore. I want to know what's going on. And then she says, like, I found you. I wanted you for this, for your innocent blood. And um, however, then B takes a turn and she's like, but I really like you. And that's why I didn't want to have to kill you. And that's why I saved you from dying at the hands of Alison. She's like, you could come with me. I could get you whatever you want. We just keep doing the, these incantations, spill some blood on the book and bish, bash, bosh, you'll get what you want. Um, Cole refuses and burns the spell book, which he runs off um, whilst B is trying to put out the fire. And he gets Melanie's dad. He's like got this cool sports car. He then drives it, which, you know, a 12 year old, I don't know whether it's just in America, it's different, but my God, 12 year old learning how to drive here. I think it might not happen unless you live out in the countryside. Um, so he grabs the dad's sports car and drives it. But obviously, as he's 12, he doesn't really know how to drive right. And from where the treehouse had fallen after Max fell through, he kind of uses it as a ramp and launches the car into the front of his house, pinning B down. And he manages like to get out without dying himself. And B's still trying to be like friends with him, like they used to do the ET, you know, finger touch kind of thing. And he's just like, fuck you, bitch. You try to kill me five to eight from Sunday. So he walks out and then there's the sirens there. But when the police come back in um, to go fix things up, B is gone. And then you see her like trying to attack a firefighter later on. So that's where the whole, how many times has she done this? Does she have like immortality? Yeah, it kind of comes into play. Yeah, like there, there are questions after this of um, how did you just manage to, start, like she was proper pinned by the car. Um, I did not realize as well that Samara Weaving is Hugo Weaving from um, Matrix and what's that Australian drag movie? I don't know. Anyway, but um, he is her uncle. Oh. So yeah, I did not know that. But um. So there's nods to other horror films in this. Um, but just to end it, that, yeah, uh, Cole has basically, he tells his friends, like, I don't need a babysitter anymore. And you're like, I think you, you do. I think you need some sort of care. Um, somebody better. <laughs> yeah, just a better babysitter. But you're still 12. Um, so, like, there were nods to other horror films in this, in the sense that, um, what was it? The, there's... Oh, no, sorry. I'm thinking of my other film. I'll say that then later on. But there is a funny um, part in the out in the garden where Shirtless Max is chasing after Cole and he does a because it's it's like it's very good. It's in the sense of like it's an eerie garden. There's like smoke everywhere around. Um, yeah, I was looking up the, the trivia for this. And apart from it, like that meant to be in, in a different year and then released later. It's not really much, but it's just, it's a great film. There is a sequel to it um, also on Netflix. I think both of them are still there. Um, I would suggest anyone could give them a watch, even like a diehard horror fan, I think would like it. It's gory, but also it's got the laughs in it, but it's not like OTT making you laugh. It's not like a proper comedy, like Shaun of the Dead, where it's a comedy with, with within a horror. This yeah. is like got comedy elements in a horror film so yeah um it's a very good film and I, like I said if you like that 
watch the sequel because the sequel kind of goes into a little bit more detail it's got a twist on it and it also like with these ones that you don't see in like this you don't see a lot in the sequels but it kind of goes into how he's handled the in-between years Mm, yeah and because it's like I think in the sequel he needs like counseling and everyone in school treats him differently because I think I think the book and B are gone so it just looks like as if he just drove a car into the front like the there are no other bodies I don't know what B had done with them but it's just like they're all like calling him a killer and this that and the other and he doesn't get any like he doesn't become a cool kid at school no he doesn't get any more of an outcast than ever yeah but yeah and it like they have like the same cast of characters it's done very well so I would totally recommend that people watch The Babysitter and then the sequel as well yeah I think it's The Babysitter Killer is the sequel so yeah totally give them a watch it's very good very good Um, my next one right is kind of it's definitely like a teen genre movie and then when you're talking about earlier with teenagers who killed and I was like shit this really doesn't go with it but kind of does but it's definitely a teen like genre kind of movie Mm -hmm. because the the killers in it aren't don't have fully fully like formed reproductive organs so they're actually the babies so technically they're younger um but I watched Piranha 3D um from 2010 Piranha 3D in 2D though 3D watches 2D I always think it's really funny watching a 3D movie in 2D because you're like oh that was totally supposed to be 3D oh yeah um so funnily enough this movie was actually filmed in 2D and then was made into 3D, but was always intended to be 3D. So that makes my mind sore. I think they can do that. If I have this right, I could be talking it through my ass, but there's like this, an extra layer they put over the film. Yeah, there's a company it. that actually does it for them. It's Yeah, so that could be why like you film it in 2D, but you do like, oh, I'm going to throw something towards the screen. Yeah, but this movie was always, even though filmed in 2d it was always intended to be a 3d movie um so even if you look at basically the movie is about a town that has spring break and there is an earthquake on the lake and it opens up a cavern which had prehistoric piranhas in there that cause havoc um so the movie poster for this is very similar to the Jaws movie poster. It's a girl on a lino and then all the little piranhas are coming up from underneath. The movie actually opens up with Richard Dreyfus on a boat and he's fishing and he's like, he's whistling, show me the way to go home. He's in the same oh, yeah. outfit that he was in Jaws. So it's a very big kind of nod to it. Um, he is very much um, Michael Caine when he talks about this movie because he's like yeah I don't know anything else about this movie except for the two days that I had to shoot and then I got a check and I went home um so there's not much love for Piranha (laughs) (laughs) he was there to do a job you just gotta know if you're doing it just have fun with it I feel like the people aren't having fun with things anymore yeah so he just went to do the job. He did the job. He got it done and he left. Um, so it's very much, he's on the, he's on the, um, 
the lake, he's fishing, he's on his own. There's a bit of a shudder. The, um, the cavern opens and uh, this whirlpool kind of starts. So he tries to like get his propeller boat working again, but he's caught in the whirlpool. He falls out. He's eaten by loads of piranhas. He's essentially like just like, but like parts of him are just exposed bone at this stage and everything. Um, so the sheriff of the town is, um, instead of the male sheriff of Jaws, we have a lady sheriff this time. And she has um, an older son and two younger children, a boy and a girl. Um, the older son is 17. So I was like, yeah, cool. He's still a teenager. It's fun. Um, and he, every year, has to like mind his younger siblings during spring break. Um, now, when he says this, I was kind of like, I feel in the years before this, you were probably way too young to partake in spring break anyway. Yeah. So um, he's been a little bit hard done by. Uh, he goes into town. His girl next door is there, who um, is an actress who's also in Gossip Girl. Um, and she's going out with this dick DJ who's like just a prick and he's really mean to the uh, main guy and she is she's trying to get him to get involved and he's like no I actually mind the kids and stuff and she's like god damn it that's a shame and then um she gets into the car the boyfriend's friend throws like a slush puppy at your man and she laughs and I'm like you're a bit of a dick like you should have been like you shouldn't have done that yeah. um he glows he, he glows he goes to collect his wee sister from a bassoon practice and she is sitting beside um a very glamorous kelly brook and it is a very hocus pocus moment you know when she goes into allison she's like what does De dennis call them yabos and she starts talking about her boobs and you're like this is so weird what like i just don't imagine myself having had open conversations with women about their boobs when I was that young but basically she turns around to um Kelly Brooke and they have a conversation about her boobs and she's like my brother's coming down he'll really like your boobs as well and Kelly Brooke is like they all do and um it's all lovely and it turns out that she is a wild wild girl which is essentially a piss take of girls gone wild Ah. And, um, she's on set. Jeremy O'Connell plays the the director of it, and um, she the brother comes down and he's like, "We need to go," and she's like, "Oh, this guy's a local." And Jeremy O'Connell's like, "Oh my god, we need somebody who knows everywhere." Um, meet us at ten tomorrow, and then the little girl's like, "But," and he's like, "Shut the fuck up! I'm gonna be on Wild Wild Girls." <laughs> Uh, they go home he's researching wild wild girls on his computer so it's like essentially like porn on his computer the mom keeps coming in he's like mom stop and she's like come down for dinner and he's like i can't because i obviously have a heart on um but the kids are like he said he's going to do something else and she she's like look i realize it's really unfair that you always have to do this but it's just you know it just has to be done i promise next year i'll make sure to have somebody else mind the kids and he's like, I know, it's fine, it's fine, God, it's fine. Um, so the next day he bribes his brother and sister and he's like, I'll give you $40. And the little girl's like, 60. And he's all like, that's not even what I'm being paid. And she's like, yeah, but to keep us quiet. 
And he's like, fine. So then he goes down to the water and the girls, the wild, wild girls are on the deck and they're like, you know, jumping up and down and their boobies are going everywhere. And then there's like, you know, motor boating and Jesus, it's all just the best time in the world. And um, the director calls him on, he calls him Sandrot and um, he's talking to the girl next door and she's all like, oh my God, are you anything to do with this? And he's like, no, oh my God, it's so lame. And then he's like, Sandrat, Sandrat, come on. And then he invites the other girl onto the boat as well because she's really pretty. Um, and uh, the boyfriend is like, what are you doing? And she's like, he's like, oh, do you know these guys? And she's like, no, he's just this really uncool guy. He says that he has backstage passes to everything, but he doesn't. And you're like, ooh, burn. Um, so at the same time, there is a, um, there's a diving crew that are coming to look at the, what has happened as a result of the earthquake. Also, just before this day, the uh, sheriff and the deputy sheriff found Richard Dreyfus, and they obviously don't know it's piranhas because, like, why would you know that? And they think it's something toxic that's in the lake. And again, a bit of a nod to Jaws. She's like, um, do you think we should close the lake? And he's like, no way. This is like the busiest time. And she's like, yeah, OK. Um, so again, you know, that whole thing. Um so but she's just like make sure your brother and sister don't go on the lake you need to stay off the lake you know making sure everybody who's involved with her is nowhere near the lake um so the wild wild girls team go off on the boat the kids um are having an argument because the little boy wants to go fishing she's all like but we told him we wouldn't go anywhere and then he's all like i don't care i'm going I told myself I was going to go fishing. So I'm going to keep that promise. And so they go out to this island. He doesn't tie the boat down properly. And they get like marooned on this wee island. And they're all like, help, help. We need help. Um, they, your man brings them out to this really nice place for in the water so that they can do everything at this stage people are kind of like randomly jumping into the water and like sometimes people are being eaten but sometimes they're not and it just happens that it's really handy the people who are being eaten are on their own so nobody can report it um the sheriff has to bring out the diving team to this particular place the guy who's part of the diving team i'm going to get his name now because i was really like he's a real random person to be in this movie i don't know why i thought it was just so strange that this guy popped up in this movie because like there were so many people who were kind of like do you know when like you see a movie and they're like richard dreyfus and you're like oh brilliant and then yeah. it's like he's in it for 30 seconds. And Christopher Lloyd is actually in this as well. And he was like really heavily kind of advertised for this movie. And both of them are in smaller parts. Now, thing is, Christopher Lloyd actually kind of is in it a good bit, although it only took one day for him to actually uh, shoot any of his stuff for the movie. But it's Adam Scott, who is the guy who is... Mark? Mm-hmm. Is he in Parks and Rec? Yeah, is it? Is that what he's in? Sorry, I'm having a look at his IMDb. IMDb. He's in Step Brothers and Krampus. You know the yeah, it brother is and Step yeah. Brothers. Um, so I was actually just really surprised that he was in this. Um, so when he popped up, I was like, ah, oh, bizarre. <laughs> 
So he's on the boat with the other two people um, who are the divers. He's like the head guy. And the, the one of the divers is Mr. Solis from... Um, what you call it, uh, Desperate Housewives. And I was like, this is also very strange and random. Uh, so they go out to have a look at where this has happened and the cavern that is open. They're diving down. They're like, wow, this is actually really beautiful. They go into a cave and they're like, oh my God. And they've lost all communication with the people in the boat, which is uh, Novak and the sheriff. And uh, they start to get eaten. So he brings one of the he gets the female diver up Novak he goes in he's like obviously something's gone wrong he brings her up they get a sample not a sample they actually get one of the piranhas they put it in they bring it to Christopher Lloyd who is like this like animal person who knows everything about animals and he's like you can't possibly have found this in the whole Christopher Lloyd voice yeah they're like yeah but it's a piranha it's fine they're like no you don't understand this piranha hasn't been seen in two million years like where have you seen it and they were like oh there's like fucking loads of them so then they have to go through like so there's this whole like porno being filmed on one side of it with with the wild wild girl so um kelly brook and uh riley Steele, who play danny and crystal go underwater with no clothes on they do this like really beautiful synchronized dance of like you know body to body funk to funk it not the song that was used but I feel it should have been Um, (laughs) they actually trained for like two weeks to get the synchronized dance and it's actually quite good like I was like fair play to them and they have like this glass bottom boat so that they can like record them um, so they're getting your man is just a bit of a sleaze Um, he is getting Kelly who's the girl next door um, to drink and he wants to record her now, the, the actual director of um, what, uh, Girls Gone Wild he wrote a letter to the movie and was kind of like if anything comes from this movie I will be suing you like he was like it is defamation he and he said I love a good parody I'm totally fine with that but the fact that you have me drug taking and filming underage girls like that's kind of going a bit too Mm. far um and he was like I'm I'm all for laughing at myself and stuff but like he was like bit of a dick move guys um so they like shit goes down there uh, he the Jake realizes somehow they end up at the same little place that the kids are and he's like oh my god that's my brother and sister and they're marooned we need to go over everybody's doing coke on the boat your man's like we're not going over and he's like look my mother's the sheriff and they were like ooh. so they go over and they get the kids that's fine then on the other side of it they uh the whole partying is happening and Eli Roth is there so he is just he's you know just doing a thing so he is the DJ who is doing the wet t-shirt contest and they're on this rig in the middle of the like lake and um he's like 
you know there's loads of music everything and then uh the sheriff uh well not the sheriff sorry they like the sheriff's department comes in and they're like everybody get out of the water get out of the water and sure you can't hear a thing like there's a dj and like there's like hundreds over there yeah that was really good (laughs) i have been working on that for years i liked it Um, (laughs) so then like the deputy sheriff decides to like fire off three bullets into the sky and i'm like they have to come down (laughs) yes they're they're coming down somewhere um and everybody's like oh my god it's basically like scratch on the um, oh yeah nothing as good as my the sound effects of humor but he turns around and he's like like a too long of a time goes by where nobody talks and then he's like everybody needs to get out of the water and they're like oh yeah thanks dad (laughs) loser and he's like no you need to get out of the water and then they're just like your man's like what somebody in the crowd is like yes break break (laughs) just like start going again and he like cannonballs in and then you can see all these like piranhas coming in they're like did it did it did it did it there's loads of people that they go around and then there's this girl getting onto the boat and they nearly get her and then there's a girl on like a ring a blow-up ring and like she's sitting there and then there's the under shot of her butt and then they start like biting at her butt (laughs) it's like really gross and she's all like, oh, and then she like gets pulled through and like it's like they're like eating her ass. Oh, it's fairly gross. And then um, so yeah, it's weird. The sheriff and um and Novak are back now. I'm sure they know it's piranhas, they're like, get out, oh. and then like Novak gets on this, like, what do you call it? Like a speed a jet ski and he gets like this gun and he's like going around he's like shooting into the water and it's like into these like fucking piranhas and it's still Adam Scott in a check shirt (laughs) and chinos and you're like this just doesn't feel right at all and he's like going around and he's being like real like oh my god get on my jet ski I'll help you it's fun I'm so cool and you're like boy you're like I really like him I really like him as an actor I think he's great but he's just not this character at all yeah um so they're trying to get as many people out then the sheriff gets a phone call and your man's like oh we're getting we're with the sun they actually like got caught in seaweed then they like rammed into like loads of rocks so they're now sinking and he's like I'm so sorry we're on the lake and she's like where's the kids they're with me and he's like she's like oh my god you're fucking dead and then she runs from where she is across loads of boats onto another boat which was kind of cool I was like oh she's kind of a badass yeah but then obviously everybody who is like trying to get out of the water tries to get into loads of different boats and stuff like that. But then they start to get onto the rig. So obviously it's going to turn over. And like I watched this bit on YouTube about like the special effects of this movie. And I thought it was going to be about the makeup because like everybody was being bitten and like, you know, people were being reduced to bone and stuff like that. But mm. there actually is so many special effects in this movie to kind of make this work and not kill people (laughs) while it's working so they needed to show that this was going to like fall over without actually falling into the water and killing the actors 
So they're like, it's like a Disneyland ride. It's all on hydraulics and it just kind of tilts over. And everybody on that rig was either a stunt performer or was an extra who had like trained with the stunt actors. So there was 30 stunt people on it and 30 like special extras extras who had like stunt people training. Um, so I'd say it was like quite expensive to do this because they were saying that they couldn't have people falling off rigs that would actually then go and hurt themselves. You know, it's just irresponsible. And they also couldn't have actors who didn't know how to fall off a rig without it looking like they were acting falling off a rig. So they do this scene and then they cut and they're like, everybody put up your hand if your buddy's not okay. <laughs> I'd like, um, so it goes from this to um, to them out in the lake and the mom coming to try and save them. Um, so at this stage, Crystal and um, Jeremy O'Connell have, he's been like bitten loads and if they get him up onto the boat, Crystal's dead as a doornail. And he's like, Jake, they took my dick. <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes into the water and all that's left of Crystal is her silicone um, implants. Oh, wow. And then his dick just like floats down and this piranha comes in and gets it. And then this other piranha comes and gets it off him. And then he pukes it back up and it's just a like, single dick. Oh, no. And I was like, this was a 3D dick. Like, <laughs> it. So it's bizarre. At one stage, I paused this because Warren was out of the room. And he was like, have you paused that movie? And I was like, yes. And he was like, don't you dare. This needs to play so it can be over soon. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah he again like so this part was actually a huge thing where they needed to do a lot with uh, special effects as well so there were three different boats that were there for this scene there was the boat that was not harmed in any way then there was the boat that was going to be exploded and then they built the inside of the boat and then they had they had a boat that was going to sink um, so they had three boats and one set of the inside of it. Um, um, basically, when they went into the rocks, loads of water came into the boat. The kids get up to the deck, but the uh, Kelly, the girl next door, is left downstairs where more water is coming in and it's getting higher and higher. And like the piranhas are trying to get to her, but like she's up on the kitchen cabinets or whatever and the sunroof is like locked so at this stage it's jake um kelly brooke danny uh kelly and the two kids that are left on yeah. the boat living um so the mom and novick arrive and they're like you know it's fine so she throws over a rope and um, she kind of shimmies over between the two ships because they can't which is ships like the two boats sorry um they can't get too close because they'll like get fucked by the rocks as well so she's like we're all gonna go over your man's like I'm not going without Kelly it's my fault that she's here um she's like you are fucking going it's your fault that we're all here and we kind of need to get off the boat and uh she's like I'll come back and I'll get her and he's like no 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 so then Danny the two kids and the sheriff decide to go back over and your man's like you need to hurry up this rope won't won't hold much longer 
and myself and Warren were like why like that's such a stupid thing to say but then actually with the special effects team they were saying it actually would have been impossible to do what they did because with the weight of the people coming over both of the boats would have need to have been um like docked like proper anchored down so that they wouldn't have moved um so they actually had to like have this so it looked like there was just a rope tying them at the surface on the movie but there was this huge rig underneath the water that actually had tied the two boats together underneath so that they wouldn't move um, and then they kind of had hydraulics on the speedboat so that they could make it look like it was moving because of the weight but if they hadn't have done that, they actually would have ended up in the water and stuff. And they were like, oh, it's just too dangerous. And like, so it was kind of cool that I, we were like, oh, of course that would have worked. And they were like, no, actually, like scientifically would not have worked. Um, and it was amazing how they kind of went around it to be able to get that to work. Mm. So they're going over. Kelly Brook is eaten on the way over. Um, once they get over, Jake, like is like no I'm doing this on my own and he ties the rope around himself he gets into the water but he throws Jeremy Connell overboard because he's like I'll give them a snacky snack and all the um piranhas leave now why they didn't leave when Kelly was being eaten and why they did leave when your man was being eaten I don't know but he gets into the uh bottom of the boat and he's like we're gonna go now Kelly and uh, they they stopped to have a kiss and Warren was like what was that for and I was like you obviously need to have a shift before you're going to die yeah and he turns on the gas in the in the boat and he finds a flare and for what reason I don't know but he ties it to their like walkie-talkie and he throws it but he's like um pull us out in 10 seconds so the the rope is attached to the speedboat and he's mm-hmm. like pull us out in 10 seconds and then we'll be able to uh you know it'll be fine so he's like we're ready and then he throws the flare then the speedboat won't start it's all very dramatic um and he they get pulled away and um the boat explodes then there's this kind of like you know reaction where like there's an after thing, aftershock and it kills all the piranhas. Thank God it didn't kill the two teenagers in the water. <sighs> and they get on the boat and everything. And then um, Mr. Carl Goodman, Christopher Lloyd rings and he's like, Sheriff, Sheriff. And she's like, it's okay. All the piranhas are dead. And she, he's like, no, you don't understand. They don't have mature reproductive organs. They're just the babies. And then Novak, Adam Scott is like, but where are the parents? And then this fish, which is as big as the fish from Big Fish, jumps up, right? And it's a piranha. And it's like, and it brings Novak into the water. And then it's over. Oh. Also, like one of those just a ending. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So it was like, this was definitely had the nods, if not all of the team being around TNA. So this is tits and ass, teenagers. Some of the footage of actuals of the spring break kind of crew uh, parties were actually from spring break. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, pretty, pretty hilarious. Um, 
real kind of like you know what you're going into like yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> even from the movie poster yeah you know exactly where you're going into it's a total satire um and the most shocking thing is that adam scott's in it yeah yeah but then i suppose he was in also the one where it was like oh i can't remember what the name was um but it was like the is his stepson is yeah like, but like that was like that yeah i get that like that was kind of like he was kind of playing like a version of like the people he plays yes was, yeah this was just totally weird it was just very strange he's not really action man-esque no no I'm trying to think of somebody who's it's kind of like putting Steve Carell in as your as like Mission Impossible oh yeah you know it just doesn't although an like unreal actor and so good Mm -hmm. just doesn't fit yeah like did they have someone else in mind first yeah, it was, I, I, I was just a bit like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, coming in? Yeah. So, hilarious movie. Um, I, like, apparently actually has like 70 something odd rating on um, Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but, yeah, I would recommend it with the guise of just know what you're going into. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the film that I did, um, it was Freaky, which came out in 2020. So bearing that in mind, I'm going to talk about it and I will gloss over the end. Um, because I obviously were like COVID, like, I think they had released this film or, or they were going to release it in early 2020 and then bloody COVID came in and everything went on lockdown. And then, so I yeah it, I didn't see this in the cinema because I'm not really head, heading to the cinema so um I just bought it on or I rented it on YouTube so I don't know how anyone else gets to watch it but I'd still recommend it, it it's on now on what oh now tv yeah ah okay for those mm-hmm. who have it <laughs> um anyway so this film is freaky it's like a take of freaky friday so it's like obviously those body swap ones but this is body swapping with the twist. And I'm giving nothing away by saying that because it's in the trailer. It's in everything. Say, yeah. So it's the victim and the killer swap bodies. And I was saying to Grace before, I'm like, I haven't seen a Vince Vaughn film in a while. And I kind of, I got fatigued of him in the early 2000s. And uh, so I hadn't watched anything with him. Like I hadn't searched out anything. But when I saw him in this and when he plays, obviously, Millie, the female character in she's in his body that to me made the film yeah the lilt of his voice the way he walks and talks and he's just so free with himself I think this is fucking brilliant so for like for that alone this film I think is just bloody brilliant so it's set in the run-up to the infamous Friday the 13th which we are getting this month Grace yeah oh. oh so it opens with on wednesday the 11th for teenagers um it's it's quite a normal opener of horror films they're talking about oh do you know about this myth of this guy who killed people in this town and he's doing this since the 70s and rightfully someone points out going he'd be geriatric now 
um, I heard it was in the 90s and it was at homecoming and that it's always around this. Now, there's no no name, no reason as to why he does the killings. And I like that throughout this film. He's just a guy who wants to kill people. There's no out for anyone in particular. There's no reason. He barely speaks when he is the killer. Um, and when he swaps over into Millie's body, Millie would rarely speak either. Um, so there was in this house, it was full of like trinkets. And then there was this, very fancy dagger what well, looks like a ruby on the end but it's like a skull and um there's also all these like masks he's like an art history collector one of the dads in the house of, of the kids so the kids get knocked off in brutal fashion just when you were saying about in sorority row with the bottle down in the throat one kid like that gets the bottle down the throat and smashes it when it's in the throat so that all the broken glass goes through his neck and i'm like that is that is so graphic, but yet so, uh, you know, it's a, it's a thinker. Um, he also like crushes some girl's head, which I kind of, he crushes it in the toilet seat. She was cleaning up her clothes in the toilet, uh, in the bathroom. And then he comes in and she immediately falls over nothing. And that's kind of stupid bitch. And he just grabs her and starts bashing her head in the, the toilet seat. And I couldn't help but laugh. Yeah. Cause I was just like, that's very funny. And, um, like they don't shy away from these kills they show it's not like a here's how you know whatever would happen but anyway so the four kids eventually are killed um and then we have the next day we have millie who is she's a beautiful girl she's actually um oh my gosh who's her mom her mom was in the original Candyman film virginia madsen um mm-hmm. and um catherine newton is her daughter and she's playing millie and she looks so like virginia madsen as well but just you know obviously not like a spitting image of but just she's beautiful so that's why in the beginning I was like oh my god I can't believe she's bullied by everyone her dad died like a year ago I don't know whether she was bullied anyway and then but they're so mean like the guys are there saying oh yeah if you don't look at her face she could have a good body and the girls are like oh where'd you get that and discounts are like the girl's dad died obviously like the breadwinner of the family is dead mm-hmm. the mom has sadly turned to drink and um and her older sister is a cop who has no time for the mom and her drinking. Um, now, she's two really good friends. And she has Nyla and Josh. Um, and they're very, like, again, it's another one of those, like, self-aware. There's a part, like, later on when um, Millie, as the Blissfield butcher, so basically Vince Vaughn's body trying to explain that it's really her, is chasing after them. the two friends. Uh, Josh says to Nyla, goes, you're black and I'm gay. We're going to be dead straight away. <laughs> Like it's it's a it's a very good film. Um yeah. so yeah, I found that like really hard to believe in the beginning that she was bullied, but then I suppose like it it shows because when there is the body swap, you see how she becomes real confident. Like she had no confidence, even though she was really pretty. That's probably why she was bullied, because the girls were maybe jealous of her. I don't know, could be looking into it. Well, it's amazing how we just equate, like we're like, but she's pretty. How like it actually just kind of cements it really doesn't matter what you look like. No, like the girls were bullying her because her clothes were real cheap and the mom would buy them in the discount store and all this sort of stuff. The guys are just assholes. Yeah. So um, despite the fact that four teenagers just got killed, like when they're into even one of the teachers who it's her crush um his dad is the teacher I think I thought I heard him say dad when he was giving out to Millie but he's a dick to her she's late so he gives out to her um and she he brings up 
um, a project like they were doing dog house or whatever and he brings up that he wants her to get it done next even though she had a date of the next week to get it done and he's like I don't care where is it and she's like I'm not ready and then he's like he's just so like it's it's cringeworthy how horrific he is to her the teacher like yeah I was just, anyway I was a bit like you know in your mind you're like well the bully girl's gonna die one of the jocks is gonna die you're like that teacher's gonna die in your mind you're just like yep 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 gonna happen because like I think if you can obviously tell in the harmonies and people are just being such dicks yeah that they stand out anyways so yeah despite the fact the four kids were killed um they're still planning on having the homecoming dance which is gonna happen on Friday the 13th and uh now Millie wasn't gonna go to it because she's she's very close to her mom after the death of dad like they were going to go to um, a theater play instead and Millie wants to go to college in Boston but she's afraid that the mom won't want her to leave because she needs her too much it's um so like that and her friends are trying to tell her oh no you need to live your own life and you don't want to wake up and you're in your 50s and you feel like as if you may have missed out on your life just to help your mom out yeah but anyway so we've got all that going on in the background so then the next day on Thursday um, Millie is the high school mascot for a homecoming football game where as that's where it was where the guys are like they just throw something at her head like a, a soft drink these are the players and it's the guy who Millie has a cushion is in that group but he's not joining in on it they're like oh yeah if you just didn't look at her face she could be all right like, it comes out of nowhere like, guys are just assholes yeah and um, so it's she's walking out with her friends after commiserating over the fact that you know she got a the soft drink trying or they do their little handshake thing that turns out into a dance and then the she tells the guys oh my mom's gonna think of door you guys go go home and then she's waiting waiting we see that the man was passed out unconscious from drinking wine and then um as is horror movie standards her battery's really low on her phone of course yeah so her sister comes back sees the mom unconscious rings millie and she's just saying she just gets to hear, oh, mom's unconscious asleep. And she's about to say, come pick me up at the school. But the phone dies. And I just kept saying, you get a bit longer on the battery for that. It only just gave her a low battery warning. But anyway, she sees someone across the way in the parking lot. And lo and behold, it's the Blissfield Butcher. But she doesn't know that. But she also does know that there's a killer around. And she's like, oh, my sister's coming for me any minute now. And she's a cop. And that does not stop the butcher. And he then comes after her. And she's like, fuck this shit. And then she starts running and then she's running along the pitch for the football and he tackles her and he has the special knife, which is called the Eldolo. We find that out later when his name is, but it's the, it's the MacGuffin thing, basically. It's the thing that changes everything. And as he's about to stab her, it also happens to be a full moon. Yeah. And then it just goes to this thing where it looks like as if it's on top of like an Incan or Mayan temple and, so he stabs her in the shoulder, but he himself gets a wound in the same spot. So it must be past midnight on Thursday, the 12th, to make it, you know, technically Friday the 13th or something like that. But basically the sister arrives at the football field just to see the sister being stabbed. Shoots off her gun because she's a cop and your man runs away. Also more just unsettling, he's like, hey, did I get stabbed? I stabbed her. And so she's in the, Millie is in the police station. She's getting patched up then, all this sort of stuff. And uh, the man comes to collect her. And then she's in bed and she just has these, oh yeah, no, he stabbed her before midnight. But as it turns midnight on Thursday into Friday the 13th, she, there's like all these whispers and she can't sleep properly. And then there's like a kink 
moment. And then as she wakes up on Friday the 13th, it's the butcher is awake in Millie's body. And you see that sort of awareness as the mom tries to wake him up and it's like, oh, I've got breakfast for you. And he's like looking at her hands because he's a girl now. And he's like, ooh, what can I do with this body? Like his immediate thoughts of, I'm just going to start killing people because that's just the way he's wired. And then Millie wakes up in the butcher's body and she's on some like ratty mattress in an old mill and some guy wants drugs off of her. And he's like, sorry to interrupt. She's like, I don't have drugs, but do I, is my body that of a teenage girl, you know, five, four and blonde hair and all that slim body. And your man's like, oh, you're already on drugs. Give me some of those drugs. I want to feel like a teenage girl. (laughs) (laughs) And and, um, the butcher just runs off like as Millie. Um, so when I speak of Millionaire, I'm really talking of Vince Vaughn. And when I speak of the butcher now, I'll be talking about Catherine Newton. Um, just because in my mind, even though it's Vince Vaughn, it's still Millie. Mm-hmm. So just to clear that one out in case I confuse people. So Millie Vaughn, you could just say, runs out. And it's just so hilarious because Vince Vaughn has to be, what, 6'4"? And he's so tall. And he just, he does the whole, like, hands up like a T-Rex running away um, in a girl's way of running and it's it's not like a it doesn't look like it's a cliche yeah it just looks very funny and um, and so Millie knows that she has to go to school she, she knows that she thinks so she she's like I have to go to school there's showers there I have to find my friends everyone thinks I'm a killer because she runs up to a neighbor and he obviously doesn't recognize her because now it's a man coming up and then so he knocks over another woman and the woman's like oh my god that's the butcher and she's like no I'm not I'm not and she screams the woman screams everyone's screaming and it's just very funny and then um she runs off then to head towards the school whereas the butcher in Millie's body has woken up and he's like he immediately tries to kill her mom or the sister and the man takes the knife off her. They're obviously up thinking that she's had a mental break. She's just been stabbed. Her dad died a year ago. You know, maybe it's all become too much. Um, but she goes to school and people are like, oh, I'm so surprised you actually came to school today. You've just been stabbed and attacked. And of course, the girl who had bullied me about what she was wearing is like, you know, Instagram selfie and tell me everything about it. How do you feel? You know, I'm your friend now. And the butcher tells the two close friends like to fuck off and that she's going to spend time with the cheerleader girl and the friend's like okay we'll give her one day to be weird because she's been attacked and she came to school too early but yeah. they know that there's something wrong so um the butcher then is chatting away to this the cheerleader girl and it's all a bit weird and the cheerleader girl thinks that um may is now a lesbian because of the way she's like touching the girl's hair obviously this is the man it's a kind of weird because they think this is meant to be the mind of a man like touching the girl's hair and all that sort of stuff and the girl's like look I'm gonna go to the toilet you better tell me what happened or else I'm leaving and she texts her friends just to say that Millie is a vegetarian um but anyway um so the butcher grabs the cheerleader and puts her it must be something to do with the therapy that the boys need after playing American football but it was a curl therapy boot and turns the temperature down so she freezes and oh but before that is um the cheerleader sees Millie as the butcher taking a shower and um so she freaks and she's like the killer's here the killer's here and then that's why um the butcher was like yeah you need to hide I'll hide you up in here it'll be fine and that's when he kills her yeah and then Millie sees the body and he's like oh no people are dying and that's when she knows 
that the butcher in her own body is going to start killing off people and people will think it's her so yeah so she then tries to find her own friends you just see this the guy who's the killer coming after them so they're running through the canteen or the kitchen for the canteen and they're like throwing plates and everything and she's like no it's me it's me it's me the thing she does to try and stop them is she sings the song she did as the mascot and then they're a bit like okay what's your favorite film what's your favorite drink what's your favorite you know whatever she answers everything and they're like oh my god it is you and then she does the uh the moves that they have to do for the handshake and they're like holy shit it's you what happened and then they're all like oh but because the fact that there's a serial killer running around the school, the cops have been alerted. And they're like, oh no, they'll think it's me. I need to leave. So the friends help Millie escape, but it looks like as if they're aiding and abetting a killer. Yes. So the sister who's the cop gets alerted about this and she chases after them, which they manage to hide Millie in the discount store that the man works in. So they end up having a really nice talk where um the woman's like oh I bought you know can I help you anything he's like no I'm just buying a t-shirt and she's like oh I bought my husband a t-shirt and then there's a talk about the dead your one's dead dad what it's like for the wife to have lost him and and then she's like oh I lost admin phone she's like I lost my dad too they have a really nice moment whereas it's nice for her because she's connecting with her mom the mom thinks she's having a nice chat with a man yes I was like if you're free we could maybe do dinner and he's like oh no I'm married <laughs> but um so then they get this mask and Josh and Nyla come back and they give Millie a mask and they're like, we have to hide your face, but she can't see. So it's just been fun, like falling over things, knocking into people. And it's just because Millie is such a quiet, timid character. It's like, oh no, oh, that's your face. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, in this hulking body. Um, but they know that they have to, like Millie tells them they have to get the knife. Like she knows straight away it. I got stabbed with this. He got stabbed. It's very strange. It must be the knife. The knife is in um, police custody. We need to get that back. So because they must know that El Dolo is something Spanish, they bring it to Josh's Spanish teacher. And that's when they find out that if they don't um, re-stab each other or whatever by like the end of Friday the 13th or within Friday, that Friday the 13th, they're going to be stuck in each other's bodies. So they know they need to get the butcher alone so that they can finish the ritual and get their own bodies back. Whereas the butcher's having a blast. Like when he arrives in school, he's changed the look of Millie. He gives her this, because he's going to her wardrobe, like this is a load of shit. It's all yeah. just jumpers and dresses and scraps, goes into the sister's wardrobe, grabs a cool red leather jacket, ties up the hair. And he's like a real, look at me now, bitches moment of when she's walking through and like guys are starting to pay attention to her and everything. So when they're trying to find on, social media where the butcher is they see that because they had cancelled homecoming because of the fact that may had been attacked like there was an escalation so they're like oh we could just do it in the abandoned mill where the butcher knows that that's where he was staying and he knows how to get around it so they're in some sort it's within the school but it's like it's like a games room there is arcade games there's a pool table or is it ice hockey something like that and then there's like this with the black light on to make all the colors more you know the neon colors they're playing like golf it's very strange but it looks cool I'm like our schools are shit in comparison to American schools <laughs> fucking awful um so then they they discovered that the butcher's in there they try to put her down the butcher's just like killing people left no no I think, I think yeah she managed to kill the bully teacher 
Um, and now he had killed, I think he was going to try and kill the guy who that Millie really had a crush on. Mm-hmm. And so then they managed to detain, because the difference is that Millie is realizing that in this man's body, she's super strong. Like if she just tries to push someone, she'll push them really far away. Whereas the butcher's realizing in this woman's body, she's a teenage girl. She has no strength. So she tries to overpower the teacher and he like kicks her in the stomach a few times until she manages to stab him in the neck. Like there's there's a few things. It's like it's a difference. Um, whereas it gives Millie a new confidence. Whereas with the butcher, he realizes that he can kind of go with the innocent route. So people don't think it's it's me and I'm just a girl and then I can try and kill people. Um, so then we have, they bring, so they managed to subdue the butcher. They bring uh, him to Josh's house, tie him up. And then they realize they're like, because, oh yeah, they knocked out the guy who Millie had had a crush on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to find his name so I can stop saying the guy. Oh, Booker. Booker is his name. So um, they quickly managed to tell Booker that Millie is now trapped in this body and it's not the killer by saying the poem that she'd written and put in his locker, all, you know, secret admirer kind of shit. And um, then so uh, they leave Josh with the butcher all tied up. And they're like, right, you stay here and watch her because we're in your house. And Nyla, Millie and Booker are going to go to the police station and try and figure out some way to getting the Eldola sword back, a knife back because they've only got like five hours till midnight. Um, and uh, so it all, of course, doesn't go to plan. And uh, But there is this weird scene because Nyla says she's going to go in and distract the sisters in there. Of course, she's the only cop that's in there. And uh, she's going to just distract Charlene so she can get the knife and whatever but you have Booker and Millie obviously in a man's body chatting and he's like oh I'm so glad it's you who wrote the love poem I've always had a crush on you and then he's like can I kiss you and then maybe like maybe when I'm not in a man's body and then he's like I know you're in a man's body but I still see it's you and then they do obviously like because Vince Vaughn doesn't want to kiss a teenage boy and alarms would be going at that they put the hand cleverly in front of the face to obviously just not show anything and yeah. um, but still I'm just kind of like yeah if, if I were Booker I'd have taken on Millie's advice and waited because again <laughs> she was trying to cup his face he's like maybe I don't kiss you when my hand is bigger than your fist um which I again thought it was just really fun but I just still thought that I was like that kiss shouldn't happen in the first place you could be like oh wait until I get my body back and I'm gonna kiss the hell out of you whatever yeah. But um, so uh, Millie manages to get loose, chases Josh, because Josh's mom comes home. It's like, what the fuck are you doing tying up with her? I think that scene is so funny when the mom comes home. Yeah, she's like, we're role playing. And then it's like, what? Is it sexual? And he's like, yeah. And the butcher's just like laughing, like, come on. And it's like, mom, I've been waiting to tell you, I'm really straight. And she goes, no, <laughs> no I just refuse to believe this. I'm going to ask another time, why is she tied up? And then, um, the butcher manages to uh, get free at the binding and then tries to attack Josh and his man. But there was like a cool lock inside the room in one of the doors. Um, so they managed to get free. Josh rings and then to say that the butcher has gone free and the butcher ends up in the police station. Of course, Charlene, the sister, doesn't know that there was a body swap, even though they tried. They don't really get to explain. But anyway, so um, Shara tries to 
shoot or no tries to imprison um Millie and then she there's the, the distraction of where she can put the sister in and then she's like I'm sorry your hamster drowned and I'm sorry something about the beagle their dog like saying all these things uh which I'm sure would only just confuse Charlene um and the sister well the butcher drove off in the cop car to head towards homecoming obviously just wanting to wreak more havoc and knowing that he needs to stay away I think she was there uh Millie had told the butcher like we need to just stab each other and get our bodies back he's like no I'm having too much fun basically like in this teenage girl's body killing people and um, so they go to the homecoming in the mill and then there's the showdown there's more killings happen and um I'm kind of going to leave it there and mm-hmm. um, there is like a, like I'm not going to lie it probably goes the way people go but there's also a little there's there's like a tweak at the end and also there's little things that go through it but it's a it's a really good film um I have to say I was really happily surprised with how Vince Vaughn was throughout it yeah um, he was great yeah like because like he's gotten um into like some more serious films like you sell off 99 or sell 99 and where he's like more serious and hard and into um fighting so he had actually when when he's running through like as as Millie when he's running through some traffic he actually told the stunt driver to hit him with the car and he's like I'll be fine and then there's the part where he tripped when he's chasing Josh and Nyla and um like he really did fall he wasn't meant to fall and it's one of those ones where he's like keep the man it's kind of like he knows comedy yes but like as I was saying when I got my films mixed up there was a few nods to other horror movies in this where um when at the very start when the 14 years are being killed the butcher does the whole like head tilting thing after he um basically skewers a girl on a spear and uh so that's obviously like michael myers there is also the fact that he's wearing a mask is kind of michael myers-esque and then there is um i think there might have been something else but i know for sure uh, when he's in Millie's body, he uh, kills someone with the hook and it's like the I know what you did last summer thing. So there is a few things. I, I remember because I only watched it last night. You think I'd remember. But there are a few other things where if you look at it, they're like, oh, that's like a nod to this. It's a nod to that. Like, yeah. So it's it's like that. It's a good self-aware film. It's it's a good also twist of the Freaky Friday ones, you know. I really know it. Yeah. So I really did like it. I thought it was good. I would 100% recommend it to people and I hope I haven't like truly ruined it you know it's going to go in a certain way but I just won't get the ending for people uh but yes very happy with that highly recommend yeah it's great it's a really good film yeah and like I suppose when we were you came up with the topic of us doing like teenage films I remember thinking going that's like almost all of them and I wanted Mm -hmm. to find like different ones so I was happy with my two yeah like uh, for a genre to go into because like last year we'd done killer children yeah um, then we looked into killer teens so I like the kind of a specifically zoning in on it like what makes it so scary and yeah because it's normally that the kids are being killed by either like a random killer like in your slasher films like it's just it's an older person it's it's like it's the shape it's ghost faces whatever then like with scream and, and other slashes of like the 80s and 90s it was their fellow friends or someone who'd been wronged from their school so yeah no I do like them as a genre I am I, like I suppose I'm like when I might say oh I don't watch teen slash I'm like yeah I do it's 
it is actually something that you kind of go oh no actually I've seen those we couldn't we we were trying to go through the list of what films we could cover Grace sent me on like an article of films I could pick I'm like we've covered that film that film that film that That was actually my problem I was like oh this is actually the genre that I would talk about the most so I was kind of like I need to be careful about not kind of repeating too much yeah because if we're talking about like a different theme you yeah. might still pick for your example film from that theme, a yeah. theme slasher film. And like, fuck, we've used so many of them. Yeah. So it's, no, I think we did well. Yes. Yeah. And I hope everyone else enjoyed it too. Yeah. And today is so lovely. So, yes. Finish up and I'm break out and go outside and get sunburned. Go outside. Yeah. So make sure to follow us on Instagram with um, because you're home with an underscore in between each word. And you can listen to us on most podcast platforms. If you listen to us on Apple or Spotify, we'd really appreciate it if you could give us a rating or review and get us up there. And if you don't fancy doing any of that um, or don't have it, but still like what year, just go tell a friend. Please. And we and everyone have- enjoy your Friday the 13th. <laughs> oh, no. What? Don't like have any on the cusp of the Friday morning or like Thursday night, you know, have a fight with your parents. Be like, you don't understand because you never know you might switch places yes okay guys bye bye